0: I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart.
1: Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world?
0: Well, Mike Silski, it does not seem like I've seen you in a while. Why does that?
1: You, you've been away from me for a while, and uh, I have to say I've missed you. That makes me sad. Makes me made me sad too until I showed up here at the Novacare Center on Wednesday and here you were in your purple sweater looking very Banana Republic ad I might add I uh I
0: it's funny you mentioned that because I said to myself before I got into the car and drove down here to the Novacare complex I said to myself into the mirror self you look uh you look like a young more handsome, more intelligent Mike Sealski today. That's well, something Mike Sealski would wear. Sealski would wear. I,
1: I still wear it, even though I've gone gray and I was my say, babies have killed my brain
0: cells. Have you grown more gray hair over the last month?
1: Probably, certainly over the last couple of years. Like I said, this is what kids do to you: stresses, strains.
0: I would not blaze n- in the monster machines. I would not know this. <laughs> um, anyway, you and I are sitting on the second floor of the media. What do we call this place? Complex Center, the media compound. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's very compoundish. It's very much that. Like if Les Bowen ever started a cult, I this, think this would be it. This would be where. This the,
1: would be where the branch Bavidians. Would you call them Bavidians? Bowenians. <laughs> this would be where the. This would be the headquarters. Is where this, the FBI would would, this would launch where, the firefight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know?
0: This would be where <laughs> tragedy occurs. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of tragedy, let's uh, get on with our podcast. Sure. You and I, I believe, are going—are or, or, you flying down to Dallas this weekend? I am. All right. You I and am. I will be on our respective American Airlines flights, perhaps seated next to each other. If, I can we're, only, if we're unlucky. So in all my time traveling for sports, I've never actually been seated next to another rider, even by accident.
1: Yeah. Um, Nor
0: have I ever been a, seated next to an attractive woman.
1: That's You're striking out all over the place. I bet you I get a lot of overweight Eagles fans. A lot,
0: of, bi- lot of babies. A lot of uh, overweight Eagles now and uh Phillies fans previously mm-hmm. but it's an interesting game and doug peterson yeah. you were not here for the press conference i was not. i was i listened to mr peterson and the thing that that first jumped out at me and prompted a series of thought exercises that i proceeded to conduct within my own head as doug peterson was carrying on and one of which i asked to you which was if you were the cowboys mm-hmm. would you trade Dak prescott for carson wentz at the moment
1: no uh, I would yeah. not. Well, oh, no, I thought you. I thought you said you would. Oh no, excuse me. I would, if I were the Cowboys, would I rather? Would I? If I? If we all it sh- took for me to, to get Carson Wentz was to give up that Prescott? Yes, I would do it. Excuse we, me. We scripted this. I don't. And I told you. My, I'm losing brain cells daily. You're mes- hourly. You're messing it up. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, okay. I would trade Dak Prescott for Carson Wentz. As yes. would I.
0: And I assume, in an honest moment, so would Jerry. Would you trade Dak Prescott? And Ezekiel Elliott, the NFL's leading rusher, who has averaged 142 yards rushing per game and 5.9 yards per carry over the last four weeks. Would you trade Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott for Carson Wentz?
1: Probably not. You wouldn't? I don't think I would. I might, but I don't think I would. It's okay. probably about 49-51 okay. one way or the other. Well, this is very scientific. so
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the third question, which now obviously is uh, – I don't know. There's probably a Latin word that says it's self-evident. Fait accompli. um, Fait accompli. There we go. I thought that was French. (laughs) Maybe Uh, it is. (laughs) That wasn't funny. You don't have to reward reward that. (laughs) Don't patronize me with your laughter. Okay. Uh, And then the third question was, would you trade uh, Carson Wentz? Or would you trade Dak Prescott, Ezekiel, and your first-round pick next year for Carson Wentz? Absolutely not. And it's interesting.
1: So tell me what the point of this thought exercise was.
0: I would love to give you a point. Okay. I've been sitting in front of my computer trying to... Fashion a co- a column for the last two hours as you were driving down here for Bucks County. <laughs> How was traffic, by the way? Fine. Okay. Good.
1: Fourteen miles and ninety-five
0: in fifteen minutes. Good for you. What are you driving? What are you driving these days? You I'm got driving a uh, Bugatti.
1: No, I'm driving a uh, the consummate twenty-first uh, century Rav Four. Yep, father car. Is it a I Rav Four? A twenty thirteen Rav Four. <laughs> yes, that I, just, I that I bought six <laughs> months ago.
0: I used to date a girl that drove a Rav Four, and I. Used to call it her soccer mom vehicle.
1: I'm a surprisingly
0: I'm a, we are no longer together. Yeah, it's
1: funny how that works. <laughs> anyway, it you, actually might you been, and your charm. It
0: actually might have been like a Ford traverse or something <laughs> like that. I think it was a Rap four though. Um, anyway, my point was, we're we're going to talk a lot about this week and on Sunday night especially. The headlines are going to be, you know, either Dak Prescott leads the Cowboys to victory over Carson Wentz, or Carson Wentz leads the Eagles to victory over Dak Prescott, regardless of what actually happens in the game. As we saw this past Sunday, where it was Carson Wentz's valiant effort in leading the Eagles to a victory over yeah. Sam Bradford, and thus proving that he was the better quarterback because right. he won the game. When, yeah. if you actually, because like, he
1: stopped committing turnovers right. after the first quarter, right? Which is, <laughs> it's just funny when
0: you read the headlines the following day. You accept, you just kind of like blind. I, I, I just kind of like blindly accept them as like, yeah, that's what happened. Except when you. Go back and actually watch the game. Watch the game and look at the numbers. That's not at all what happened. Right. So Bradford touchdown interception. I think he was like twenty four or forty one for two hundred and seventy yards. Whereas you know Wentz was look. Neither neither quarterback played well. But, no, but clearly neither quarterback
1: led. No, either team to anything. <laughs> no, that was <laughs> you know. But they, I think my, they, they led them. You know, over the they were trying to lead them over the cliff, over their respect their respective teams over the cliff, and it just so happened that Bradford's team got there first. But. It, So I think my point is,
0: and again, I very rarely am able to find my point on, on first, the first go around. But I think my point is that we talk about the quarterback and it's the quarterback position. And it's always in these abstract terms Mm -hmm. where it's like, is this guy, the guy? Right. I mean, the Eagles talked about it. Carson Wentz in those terms, you know, there's no important, there's no position more important than the quarterback position. You know, it, we're self-evidentially correct in our decision to trade up for Carson Wentz because the quarterback position is the most important position. A whole lot of logical fallacies essentially mm-hmm. built into you know a justification for the trade. Now, mind you, I'm not against the trade. I'm not against Carson Wentz. I've been on the record right. as being you think he's great. He it could be great. Very big fan of Carson Wentz. Uh, but we all we always then get to these concrete situations where then we look at the Cowboys and we're like. Yeah, but they have a great offensive line. And, man, look at Ezekiel Elliott. And, and man, that's Bryant, too. Uh, You know, compare him to Nelson Aguilar. And then you just start thinking about, well, I thought, wait a minute, I thought this was Dak Prescott versus Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. And if,
1: we, and if, we, like, we strip it of context because it's the easy thing to do. Right, but it's
0: obvious when you look at it in actual concrete terms like the ones that I just gave to you. Like, mm-hmm. would you trade when, – when you actually put a name like Ezekiel Elliott and mm-hmm. numbers like that he's posted – Right. To that draft pick that the Eagles tra- forget the one they traded, mm-hmm. this is just the opportunity cost, you know. Like, right? Like, the Cowboys got their quarterback in the fourth round, and in doing so, they didn't have to use that first round pick on a quarterback. They got their five point ninety yard per carry right. rusher, who right. by the way looks phenomenal. Yes, and he does. Has I watched his first two games? In fact, the only until this pa- these past couple weeks, I, I think I've missed the Browns and the Niners, Cowboys games, and the first the first two. Um, games I forget they were who they were against. I think the Bucks were in there. Ezekiel, it looked like he was having a little bit of a difficult time adjusting to the speed of the NFL game, almost in an inverted way to the way a quarterback struggles, where he was running f- too fast right. for wasn't letting things blood. develop was, in yeah, front of him. And I'll tell you what, man, watching him <laughs> against the Packers and uh, I forget who they played before that. But it was just very noticeable how he's such an intelligent running back yeah. and you can see it. I mean, yeah. he reminds you a lot of Emmitt Smith actually. Yeah,
1: and but that I mean, it's funny because, you know, we're talking about context and situations, you know, go back a couple of years, think about context and situations not with respect to the quarterback position in the Eagles and the Cowboys, but the running back position with respect to the Eagles and the Cowboys. 2 years ago, the leading rusher in the NFL is DeMarco Murray. Behind what then as now is considered the best offensive line in the league, the Cowboys. He comes to the Eagles, plays in Chip Kelly's offense behind Chip Kelly's offensive line, and we saw what happened. The results speak for themselves. So it's it, you're, I think your question is an interesting one because it's all bound up together, I th- yeah, all I, of it.
0: I, I think the way to put it best is this. This game has already been billed. Throughout the Peterson's press conference, it was framed by questioners as... And after the game on Sunday, it will continue to be judged, adjudicated in the <laughs> through the lens of Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz, and who's the guy, Who's the better guy for the future? Right. Which team is in better shape? Right. The same way, the Vikings Eagles game last week was built as. Now we get to see where the you know. Sam, Brad- should Sam Bradford have been the guy for the Eagles, or should Carson Wentz have been the guy for the Eagles? Right. Well, to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of that, I think, and and I know you don't think of the sport this way, but I think a lot of that comes down to the inherent, um, the the natural inclination on the part of many, many, many fans, particularly of a of a given team, and quite frankly, many members of the media to see a particular matchup as sometimes, good, w- sometimes one in the same sometimes one in the same to see the matchup as good versus evil right. or our team versus their team right and so it becomes a narrative built on characters as opposed to as we said what is actually happening on the field like last week sam bradford was the bad guy right and carson wentz was the good guy at least in philadelphia and so that frames everything that becomes right. you know sam bradford gets hit in fumbles after you know, while he's still dropping back, it's called their confirmation ta- by right? Exactly, their tackles can't block, and it becomes Sam Bradford is tell- terrible, Carson Wentz is great. Therefore, you know, my team made the right decision in trading up to get Carson Wentz and get rid well, of Sam like, Bradford.
0: And just and you're cor- absolutely correct in this, um, and it's kind of different from what I was saying, but you're right. Uh, you know, it was like Carson Wentz over shows his metal by overcoming right. his two interceptions, whereas Sam, Sam Bradford shows his true character by throwing his one interception. Do you know, right? Like, exactly. But let's – so beyond that, though, Mm -hmm. when we're just talking about the quarterback position, like, this is going to – if Dak Prescott wins, there will be, at least in the Metroplex, Mm -hmm. a lot of, I wouldn't trade Dak Prescott for Carson Wentz straight up, you know, and vice versa with the Eagles, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be – Regardless of what happens, we wouldn't trade Carson Wentz for Dak right. Prescott straight up. But you know, if the Eagles' offensive line struggles, it's going to be ah, oh, well, Carson Wentz couldn't overcome the offensive line. Whereas if Dak Prescott plays well, it's Dak Prescott has that offensive line, right? You know, the same way Doug Peterson said in today's press conference. Well, it's all starts up front, which it does. But we we remind we remind ourselves of this with regards to Prescott and the Cowboys. We don't necessarily do it with um, with Wentz, Wentz and the Eagles. And I think my point again to get to it is that. The Cowboys, if you look at their roster, take the quarterback position even into it. They, they appear to be way, way, way far ha- further ahead of, of the game. Yeah. And we kind of ignore that when, it, I mean, it just seems like an interesting thing to ignore because I ignore it too because I, I like Wentz and I think that they found their quarterback. Um, but they were picking in the same vicinity. Like the Cowboys actually had a worse team last year yes. than the Eagles. Um, you know, they ended up picking number six overall without having to trade up. And now you look at these two rosters, and even though we're supposed to be at this watershed moment in the Eagles' trajectory because Wentz has so far looked like the guy the mm-hmm. Eagles thought they were drafting, if you actually look at the competitiveness of the team, the Eagles have a lot of work to do to, 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 to you know, catch up to the Cowboys. Yeah, I, does that I, make, does it does that make makes sense. sense? I th- I almost Can you
1: write my column for me? Yeah. <laughs> <And, laughs> um, I wouldn't dare to try. Um, I think a lot of this is the belief in the Eagles organization that you can kind of shortcut the process in a way by getting the right quarterback. And, And in some ways, they were right in that regard 15 years ago with Donovan McNabb in that by getting McNabb in 99 with the number two, they were so bad, they get the number two overall pick, they don't have to sacrifice draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. And they already have some very, very talented guys in place on their defense. So you get McNabb in, you're right at the cusp of um, the, the the salary cap and the the revolution in thinking, and the guy who's running your salary cap, Joe Banner, is at the vanguard of that. So by having McNabb, you allow yourself to kind of maintain this plateau where, as long as you are able to to balance the cap and keep enough quality players there, you feel like you're going to be in it every single year. Right. Okay, which they were, which they were, but. And- Never won it. Correct. Now, fast forward 15, 20 years, I would I would venture to argue if, if you can't handle the salary cap now as a franchise in the NFL, you should dissolve your, your franchise. You, everybody knows how to do it. It's, there's no great advantage to point. it anymore. So the question then becomes... Well, unless
0: you're the Saints. <laughs> yeah, <right>.
1: yeah. <laughs> So the question then becomes... Okay, well, how really are you building the rest of your team? It's not enough just to have exactly. the really good quarterback. It's not enough to have Andrew Luck. You've got to be able to draft the tackles. It's almost the like
0: you were reading the one semi-coherent thought coherent thought that I have written amongst the thousand <laughs> words that I have on my... my uh, Mike Sielski walks into the office. So we should probably set the show up a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So Mike, who came dressed today as the angel of death... <laughs>
1: black sweater black jeans He looks like
0: the, he looks like the villain in a uh, CBS Friday night uh, I do. stock
1: you know, I'm going to dress like, like this Las when, Vegas. when the kids come to my house for Halloween You know just, he, <laughs> I can't
0: make this reference because I can't imagine you've actually seen this but last night I sat down and watched a new Amazon Prime series called Gotham
1: I've uh, um not the one that's on Fox about uh Batman The Rise of Batman
0: Oh, wait, wait. It's not called Gotham.
1: <laughs> That's called Gotham. <laughs> okay. This is called Goliath. Goliath. I've
0: heard of it. Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, yes. I haven't watched it yet. You know, very very subtle imagery mm-hmm. in the title. Um, yeah. But uh, Billy Bob Thornton... it, it, it They is, picked
1: that instead of Gamora. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I were... Um, they definitely would not have picked Sodom. Because no. Because if you look at like the... the it's fun. I love Amazon and Netflix because if you look at like the most popular... Um, like, if you go to, like, uh, most popular movies, a lot of them are, like, uh, like they're all, like, very, like, uh, conservative Christian, like The mm-hmm. Shack, yeah. or, like, uh, God is for Real, or, like, Heaven is for Real, right. and, like, um, Touched by an Angel reruns. Like, it's just, you can see the demographic yeah. that, that subscribes to that. It's probably the Sealski demogra- demographic. Totally. Yeah, that's, kid- that's me all over. I'm a big <laughs> Roma down. Well, there's fan. a lot of kids shows. It's, like, <laughs> like kids shows and, like... Um, Christian family shows. Christian family shows. Okay. So Sodom, I don't think would have played well. Probably to, not. to the base. But apparently, the the business model for for these um, streaming services is to take a boatload of money, throw them at big names like Billy Bob Thornton. And, and I don't know if you we're going to
1: get back to Andrew. Link, right, right? right. 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 Okay.
0: But I I don't know if you know the name David. I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but uh, you throw them at Billy Bob. People like Billy Bob Thornton, William Hurt, mm-hmm. and. uh, David E. Kelly. Do you yep. know who he is? Yep. LA Law. That yep. was sure. that's right in your wheelhouse. I
1: loved LA Law. Loved it. And they
0: throw them the money. Susan, a- da-
1: Susan Day in her prime. It, Holy cow. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> uh did she play the Angel of Light, Untouched by an Angel? She did not. She played the she was the second build uh character, an actor slash actress on LA Law. It was okay. ha- Harry Hamlin, then Susan Day.
0: Well, David David E. Kelly's uh filmography looks a lot like our economy over the last uh, yeah,
1: he peaked in in the <laughs> mid '90s with Ali McBeal, right. And then it's been down it ever like since.
0: Boston Legal and then whatever. So anyway, this, they they threw all this money at um, David E. Kelly to write mm-hmm. the most David E. Kelly mishmash legal show, right? And then they threw the rest of the money at Billy Bob Thornton to just act like Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> even though it is completely out of place right. within this <laughs> this mishmash, and then. They, didn't, they, just, they just posted a Craigslist ad for writers. Because this is the, one of the most hilariously bad shows that oh, I've man. ever seen. And the, vil, like one, the villains all dress like you're dressed like right now. That's yeah, I'm wearing a
1: black v-neck sweater, <laughs> black jeans, black shoes. Because um, the Sixer season is starting tonight, right. and I'm covering that game, so I'm dressed for a funeral, basically. Like,
0: essentially, Amazon said, look, we have a, a demographic in this country that votes for Donald Trump and watches CBS on Friday nights. And and they'll watch Tom Selleck in Blue Bloods. So
1: you just pick Les Bowen's favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: Like I walked in one day and Les Bowen was bemoaning the cancellation of La- Las Vegas, that, like, <laughs> the Randy Quaid. Actually, show. no, Les. Les,
1: <laughs> I've talked with Les about that. Les hates Blue Bloods. He's like, uh, why would anybody watch that? You big,
0: know, Les, big Donald Trump supporter. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, anyway, you look. So this guy, it, it is such a ridiculously bad series. You ha- you should probably watch it just because, like, it takes you all to adjust to the badness of it because you just keep assuming there's going to be, be something better. Down yeah, the line. where it's like and this it never ca- shows. This up. Can't be as two dimensional as I think. Like that can't <laughs> that can't be the bad guy. The guy dressed all in black and his like William Hurt is like the the uh, big bad guy. Yeah, and his face, he looks like the guy from um, Apocalypse Now.
1: Oh yeah, uh, Marlon Brand- Kurtz. Or yeah. like
0: uh, you know I've actually. Never actually seen the natural. I know that's mind boggling. I know like, who you're the judge, but, right? Yeah, but he like, his, 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 he has this hand clicker that he like, cli- That's his thing. <laughs> like everyone's got like their like weird thing. Like, yeah, Billy Bob Thorne has sleep apnea, so he hooks himself up to a machine every night. And William Hurt's face is like mangled from like he looks like uh, mm-hmm. the guy from uh The Dark Knight. Um, oh, um, yeah, uh, Two Face. Yes, he looks like he looks like Two Face, but his like his whenever he's in the in the frame his there's always a shadow across his face <laughs> you know and like the guy who's his like fixer dressed is dressed exactly like you are but he also has a black goatee like Timpanaccio yeah. or the pink panther yeah
1: i can i can't grow a black <laughs> goatee so i'm going to i'm just going to But anyway with Andrew Luck yeah so Andrew Luck it's a long to way to get around. back to that
0: point we could probably tie this to sports somehow but this is totally just your wardrobe um <laughs> Andrew Luck has not improved the Colts performance in his five years in the national football league i mean they made it to the they got to within a game of the super right, bowl but once. i mean that's you know whatever that's there's a lot of variability when you get to the playoffs and you only have to win one game to get to the afc championship game when you're beating up on the afc south um but clearly and aaron we were seeing it this year andrew luck this year and to a certain degree russell wilson yep three quarterbacks who people would Almost unanimously placed in that realm of mm-hmm. the guy. Once you have him, right? You know, you don't whatever. have to worry anymore. Yeah, and like it makes a lot of sense, and I agree with it to an extent. You know how big of a fan I am of all three of those guys, but the fact is, Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl mm-hmm. and been to two in his what ten years in the league now. Yes, you know he's only been the one. Oh, he's only been the one. Yeah, he um, won the one he was in, and that was I it. think I keep. I think I always count him as having beat the Seahawks a couple of years ago you probably should when Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> but um but le, but that's amazing to me yeah because Aaron Rodgers is t- to me as close as you can get to indisputably the most talented quarterback I you know agree of our with that generation, assessment. Yes. like in terms of skill set and frankly Brady since he lost that great offensive line and that great defense that he had has been to two su- what three Super Bowls and lost two of them yes um, I mean, he's not—he's kind of the outlier. Mm-hmm. Or the example, because the Patriots added Tom Brady to a great organization that already had a foundation in place instead of drafting him and building the foundation around him. Yeah. And I think that, to, to kind of circuitously get back to what my initial point was, is the interesting thing to me when you look at the Cowboys and you look at the Eagles is they're two teams that have kind of gone different routes. In I mean, I think they were... It's not like they set out to plan this. You know, I don't right. think they expected Dak Prescott to be starting for them. No, but, I, but 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 they had a team in place. He, and I counted. There's they have like six first-round draft picks on that offense, and the Eagles have one, and that's Nelson Aguilar.
1: Yeah, and I think what you're getting at is Johnson. you know, there's two ways to look at it. It almost speaks to me to the Eagles' lack of confidence in their football town evaluation infrastructure. The idea that if we get the quarterback then we'll be right there. And that almost, not, not that they're going to not look for good players, but in a way, it kind of like takes the burden off of them to nail every single Did draft have- pick. And it takes the responsibility off them to do something that I know you've written about, I think last week, which is settle on a philosophy of the kind of player and the kind of system that defines our organization. Is it just going to be that we have Carson Wentz at quarterback or Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Or is there going to be something else that we look for and choose as a quality that defines us in the way the Pittsburgh Steelers do, in the way that the Patriots do? The Patriots are defined not now by Tom Brady. They're defined by the Patriot way and Bill Belichick. Um, You know, I heard something interesting. I think it was... Uh, Mike Lombardi, who's now on Fox Sports, you know, former executive in the league, very close to Belichick, and he made the point uh, in a conversation on radio or TV that uh, somebody had asked them, would the would the Patriots in in a, in a theoretical world next offseason, would the Patriots make a play for Des Bryant if Des wanted to get out of Dallas? Would the Patriots go after him in the same way that they went after Randy Moss ten years ago and bring him in with Brady and you know? he has an explosive season and the Patriots are great and Moss resurrects his career, would, would, Des Bryant do the same thing? And Lombardi's answer was really interesting. He basically said, I don't think he would, because at that time Randy Moss was at the bottom of the barrel. He was playing with the Raiders. He was a value. He was, he, he, he was, you know, they could sign him for a one or two year deal at relatively minimal money. And he would come in and just be a guy initially and then resurrect himself into a great receiver again. And he said, one of the things that Belichick keeps an eye on is who has performed for him and the value of that within the locker room. And he's not going to bring in somebody like Dez Bryant at this time who would command more money than Brady or even a Julian Edelman. Not that Julian Edelman is better than Des Bryant, but it's about the message it sends and the culture within the room that here's the new guy who came in and he hasn't done anything for this franchise. And... He's now making more money than Tom Brady or that veteran linebacker who's been here seven years and helped us win a bunch of division titles or Julian Edelman or whoever else has been part of this thing for a while. And I wonder, I mean, the Eagles certainly did not think that way within the last several years. You know, they didn't think that way last year with respect to bringing in all these free agents and and trades. They didn't think that way in 2011. I wonder if now maybe... You know, if you're an Eagles fan, you have to hope they're starting to think that way by retaining the likes of Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, assuming he comes back and plays, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, guys like that. It's just interesting because it gets, it gets to the idea of what do you do holistically to build a team? You know, you can be the Packers, and you can get Aaron Rodgers, and then you can decide, yeah, we're not going to sign anybody. We're just going to draft and keep whoever we draft because, hey, we have Aaron Rodgers. Well, that only works for so long. I mean,
0: when you say holistically, do you mean like incense and baby oil, like 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 uh, bath salts, or like what what's holistic?
1: <laughs> that's that's ish I think, more than holistic. I'm talking well, holist- like like holistic healing. I I'm talking like about was. totality and and fully. Okay, uh, that's what I mean. The, the idea of is it just enough to have this great singular piece at its most at your most important position, and then you just take a shot year after year? I agree. Or is there something beyond that where you better make sure all the pieces fit? All the time.
0: Also, when you used the word Vanguard earlier, yeah. it wasn't like the proper context, but I just pictured uh, uh, Joe Banner like smoking, like rolling a joint and uh, sitting with uh, uh, like uh, Ernest Hemingway in on the left <laughs> bank of 19. <laughs> I bet 19- you're going to
1: tell me something about my 401k <laughs> and Joe Banner oh. with Vanguard. Do you
0: roll joints with your 401k? No, but uh, I have Vanguard in my 401k. Oh, I got you. Uh, you know what? I I get letters from Vanguard all the time. I should probably invest with them. You, should. you um, should, but yeah. So you know, like I think it's more interesting than anything. Like I don't know what the Eagles. Like I'm not going to sit here and say the Eagles are doing it. Like did it wrong by trading for Carson Wentz. I'm just. I think it's. I think it's interesting to keep reminding ourselves that they still have a lot of building to do. Yes, and it would be a shame if they went. If they ended up in like the Colts route or even like the Packers route, like personnel wise, the Packers are fine. But I think like, I don't think Mike McCarthy is a particularly good head coach. And I've never felt that way. I've always felt that, or I've always felt that way. I've always felt that Aaron Rodgers is kind of made up for the mm-hmm. shortcomings of his play caller. And I, I feel like, like I thought of McCarthy when you, you were talking about, bringing a guy in here and just kind of saying, like, all right, well, we have a big margin for error now. Because that's right. almost how Mike McCarthy calls games. You right. know, it's like, just drop Aaron Rodgers back and have him, like, buy time with his feet until he can throw a 20-yard completion. Yep. You know, rather yep. than, like, methodically actually call an offense and game plan for an opponent. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. But it's,
1: I, it, just to, to – I mean, and we can, we don't have to get into this now, but it's, it, to me it's an even more interesting question. Take it out of the realm of football. It's an even more interesting question in the NBA because one player can make such a difference. Like I don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, went from being a really terrible franchise to rethinking everything they did and coming to some brilliant realization about what it takes to be a winner in the NBA. I just think they got lucky that they got the number 1 pick the year LeBron came out. And then they were even more fortunate that he was from Akron, so that when he left, he'd want to come back. Right. You know, that doesn't make them brilliant, you know? So, but there are teams like the San Antonio Spurs that do, or the Warriors, or the Warriors that do believe in that culture thing. And while it's easy to chalk it up to, hey, they have Steph Curry or they have Tim Duncan or Kawhi Leonard or whoever, you know, there is something to that. You can see it in what they do and how they do it.
0: The, um, and again, to pick up on a thought I think I left off in the middle of.
1: The, the second is, season of Blue Bloods.
0: <laughs> it is Wednesday. We are in the second floor of the media compound at the Novacare Center. You are getting ready to go across the street, and then across another street to uh, the Wells Fargo Center. Yes, or in KYW 1060 style, the center. The center, yes.
1: Actually, in Sixer style, they wouldn't call it the Wells Fargo Center for a while. That's right. Are they back to? I don't know. I don't know. I would. I would ask Scott O'Neill. Their CEO. What if I don't they think just talking to me anymore? What,
0: what if they just ran? Well, hang on for a second because that's interesting. But what if they just randomly decided to start calling it like the Bank of America Center? Like, would there be legal recourse? Yes. On, I yeah. Think so. All right. Well, yeah. let's talk about Copyright. your and Scott O'Neill's relationship now. What what happened?
1: Well, a couple years ago was it a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh,
0: did you put baby in a corner?
1: No, I did not. Um, last year it was he. Um, he spoke at the Rothman Institute okay. event. And uh, Dan Gelston from the Associated Press and I talked to him afterwards, and he basically accused people who were critical of the Sixers of not bleeping knowing what they were talking about. And Dan and I quoted him on it, and he didn't like the fact that we quoted him on it.
0: So I mean, did, but like, did you guys body snatch him and say those words for him? Like, what no. was his what was his issue?
1: His issue was he claimed it was off the record.
0: Uh, oh.
1: yeah, and it was not.
0: Did you guys have no
1: we had notepads and recorders. We had just finished speaking. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You never know we, when guys have... Notepads and recorders, yeah. Especially when we had just finished speaking with Philly's president, Andy McPhail, with our notepads and recorders out, writing down and recording what Andy was saying, and Scott was standing there watching us, and then we literally turned from Andy to Scott and <laughs> began talking to him. I can understand why he might think it was off the record.
0: Well, we all know it wasn't your fault. It was Sam Hankey's fault. Yeah, Totally. So you're getting ready to cover the NBA what not not the NBA opener but the Sixers Sixers opener opener. yep against the Thunder by the time anybody listens to this podcast
1: Joel Embiid will already have his 30 points and 20 rebounds in 10 minutes
0: but yeah so what so I haven't I've kind of zoned out on the Sixers here lately Uh for whatever reason, where are we at with regards to how much we expect Joel Embiid to play this season?
1: Brett Brown has said going into the game tonight that he's going to limit Embiid to 20 minutes. Okay.
0: Just to tonight. So that's more than I was would even think.
1: Right. And, and that doesn't surprise me from this standpoint. They'd said going into the preseason, we're going to limit this guy. We're going to limit this guy. Well, the first night, the first preseason game in Amherst against the Celtics, they said we're going to limit him to 12 minutes. Well, they limited him to 13. So right out of the shoot, they were already exceeding whatever expectations and limits they were going to place on him. And by the end of the preseason, they moved him up incrementally, game by game by game. Um, and I honestly think, take, take the doubt about whether his foot is going to refracture aside, It's going to be really hard for them to limit. It's going to be really tempting for them to not limit his minutes because He's really talented, but you don't he's think really they
0: good. should, right? according to your column. Or uh, my, my that, I didn't read is, the column. I read the headline.
1: Yeah, my feeling is based on what i've I've gleaned from talking to people around the team, the limitation that they're placing on him minutes wise is is virtually is almost entirely out of conditioning. The idea of he hasn't played in two years, he's never played an eighty two game season. you know, we don't want to wear him out. We don't want to, you know have his tank on empty by the time we get to the end of January. But in terms of his foot and limiting his minutes because he might get hurt again, that's not a factor. You know, They're not limiting him in practice in any way. At the end, I was at practice on Monday, and they did this kind of uh, half-ass drill at the end where Embiid would catch an outlet pass at half court and dribble against five assistant coaches and trainers and team doctors and staff members. That, that
0: was actually the other starting four. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Well played. Um, and he would go one on five against them, and they wouldn't really defend him, but they would kind of simulate defense. And um, on the one hand, I watched it and thought, oh my God, like if he trips against one of these non NBA, you know, non world class athletes who he's playing against, they're going to be in big trouble.
0: As opposed to the actual scrimmages where the <laughs> world
1: class athletes. Nah. Yeah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you can't, you can't live like that. You cannot just live your life or have this talent and keep him wrapped up like that he all say, the time. You sound like the Chipper. A little bit, yeah. You sound like you're
0: lecturing Bob Brookover right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Chip also called Bob Brookover a liar, which or Bob called Chip a liar, I think, which he was.
0: I'm just thinking about that. I think you hear it in our
1: intro to the show. Oh, I'm not going to be governed by the fear of I'm what not- other people say. Thank yeah and I think that's true to a great extent I do Um, and the only way he's gonna get better is if he plays and if you he's allowed to play in the way he can play so you know so what is
0: has anybody actually from the Sixers or from an independent medical expert said what the risk of refracture is
1: I don't know that it's it's possible to know because the sample size is so small
0: Um, but is it correct in me interpreting what you've just said is there is no greater risk for refracture. Doesn't seem to for be no. more through more. Yeah. It's just a simple matter of making sure he's in good condition. Right. And I'm sure there's a, at least a little bit of CYA going on by limiting his mm-hmm. minutes. Yes. You, you don't want to, you know, right. Look, we did, a, if he does get hurt, which is a non, you know, non improbably, it, it's, it's a right. non statistically insignificant. It could happen. Uh they wanna be able to say, which I understand. Right. Like, look, we did all we could.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And we're not gonna win the championship this year anyway. The difference between playing him twenty minutes and thirty each night is not gonna be the difference in us getting out of the Eastern Conference and facing the Warriors in the finals well, or something ins- like that.
0: It's interesting to me because you know, I've always been I've always just kind of operated on the assumption that anything they get from Joel Embiid is a bonus. But mm-hmm. with the way things have gone through training camp and uh the preseason thus far I mean, the guy to me is indisputably a, a, an elite talent when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody can see that just by the limited action we've seen him in. Yes. In, even in non competitive situations of the preseason. Like, you can't guard that fadeaway that he's been working no. on. No. You know? Um, I've compared him to Hakeem Olajuwon just in terms of his. Hands and his the softness of his hands, mm-hmm. the way the ball comes out, the way the ball, you know, I mean, he just lays it up there and it yeah. and it goes in. And he's such a big, he's just a he, you know, they don't make them like that very no. often. No, you
1: know? no, I mean, his, his he's skill what Greg Oden supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Although he looks a lot younger than Greg Oden looked at <laughs> age twenty-two,
0: he looks a lot younger than Greg Oden looked at age twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: he did. I remember covering the final four that Greg Oden was in when he was a freshman at Ohio State, and he looked older than Thad Mata. I mean, it was it was incredible.
0: The um, so what do you expect out of so? Let's say Joel Embiid averages twenty minutes a night for the first month of the year. Okay. Or do you, or do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to quickly jump up to thirty? I minutes? don't. I think
1: it'll it'll get there relatively fast.
0: Is so now is Jaleel Okafor strictly a reserve? Right
1: now, he's probably the first guy off the bench.
0: How does he feel about that?
1: Outwardly, he's fine with it. Inwardly, probably not happy about it Right. because. I mean, he, he looks like he's added muscle. He looks toned in a way he was not toned last year. Um, but, uh, you know, short of them, I, I don't know how it works. You know, we talked about this, I guess, the last podcast we had. How do you make it work? Is there a way to make it work with Okafor and Embiid on the floor at the same time? I'm not sure. Um, Has anything changed
0: on that? Because I think the last time we talked about this, I had just been at Stockton. And mm-hmm. Brett Brown had said, you know, hey, we're, hey, yo, we're looking for it. What? Yeah. We're looking for yeah. We're looking for a way to get them on the field. We're on the floor together. Yeah, Um, and that could be as Okafor at number four. Is there anything to suggest that's any more? I don't think so
1: right now. Short of just the natural experimentation that's going to come with a team that's not expected to make the playoffs or even contend for a playoff spot. Um, But I think they have to find out. They have to find out about Sarge too. I think from a skill standpoint, and
0: I always think you say Sarge when you say Sarge.
1: Well, getting (laughs) back. The count is two and
0: two. So Sarge, Sarge is the foreman, You think yes. in the starting lineup tonight? And
1: and the, the consensus seems to be that Sarge's skill set fits better with Embiid's. Um, you know, he's a much better passer than Okafor is. Um, he's a better outside shooter. He, he he showed in the preseason that it looked like he can hit an outside shot, which was there was some concern about. You know, can run the floor, all that sort of stuff. And um, I think the bigger concern is who's going to get the ball to Embiid. You know, what was interesting to me about the the drill they ran the other day was the idea of like Embiid bringing the ball up court. I mean, he might be their best point guard. Like, you know, compared to Sergio Rodriguez and TJ McConnell, um, you know, why not have him run the offense?
0: Sergio Rodriguez is a rather old-looking dude. He
1: is. He is. He looks like he should be playing in Jack Shore's pickup games yeah. at the Palestra. Like the, the, the v- first
0: the, the only practice I saw this year, I assumed throughout the duration, that that was an assistant coach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the beard doesn't help, Serge. It really doesn't. It uh, it ages him several years. But, yeah, I mean, that's just it is, you know, that that's what was so crushing about the Ben Simmons injury is that, you know, yes, he's a rookie, and, yes, they paid lip service to who's he going to defend on the – on the defensive end, and Brett Brown saying, "Oh, point guard is the, you know, that's that's a that's a prime <laughs> position." And you're getting better as you yeah, spend a little little more time. Of, around. It's a little bit of Ted Kennedy. You got a little Ted Kennedy in there, and uh, I do. I just don't want to give that to him.
0: Ask not what you can yeah. <laughs> do. That's <for, laughs> um, not what you can but do. for Simmons TJ McConnell. Gonna, yeah,
1: Simmons was going to run the offense, and Simmons is a, is going to be better at running the offense than either McConnell or Rodriguez or Jared Bayless. And so we're not going to see Embiid presumably get the ball in positions all that often where he would most benefit from getting it.
0: I wanted to ask you this question before I forgot it because the last two press releases the Philadelphia 76ers have sent out about Nurkose Noel's injury <laughs> have seemed to me as a distant bystander to have it more than a little bit of passive aggression yes. in them. Yes. And <laughs> yes. They they seem to have it, and I can't I elective can't, Exactly, <laughs> I, c- I cannot remember, a th- and in baseball, surgery is happening all the time. I can never remember a team going out of its way to make everybody well aware that this was Nerlens Noel's choice. choice to address a minor issue. <laughs> yes, what is up with that?
1: I think what's up with it is he has dared to. Like, did he just piss Mike Preston off,
0: or is this It's
1: like I an think. He, I think he he. He's probably pissed a lot of people off in the organization. I, know. I was, being, you know, I, I mean,
0: I don't think Mike Preston is taking shots. At those no, at all, I think,
1: I, mean. I think Jerry, I think Jerry Colangelo, I think Brian Colangelo is not happy. Um, you know, not just not just the press releases, but on media day, um, the. Uh, Do you have it on your phone? I, I don't. I, you okay. know, hold on. Let me see. I'll, I'll let me look for it. But on media day, when Colangelo spoke, it was the day after uh, Nerlens had had a one-on-one interview with Keith Pompey. Uh, from the Inquirer.
0: Was this the first one? Yes. when he said he was upset? Yes. Okay. And he
1: had just said he was upset. And um, while someone asked Colangelo about it, and he said, Oh, we understand. We're, there's nothing going on with, with Neurons, but we do have a lot of big, you know, terrific big guys here. We've got Joel healthy. We've got Jaleel healthy. And we have Rashad. Uh, I was there Holmes, that day. Yeah. You know, and it was like, Oh, okay. Rashad McLeod. Rashad McLeod. We're throwing him in there with the. Uh, with the quality big men as well, so here we go. Here's the. That press was like release. today. What?
0: So my. Uh,
1: here you go. This was sent out on um, yesterday. The Philadelphia 76ers announced that Ford Nerlens Noel underwent a minor elective arthroscopic <laughs> procedure to address localized soreness associated with inflamed plica in his left knee. It's a lot of adjectives yeah. there.
0: <laughs> Essentially, it's saying Nerlens Noel had surgery to. Treat a sore knee Yes And the first one Might have even been Even more You know Yeah This is New Orleans So what is What's the end game For New Orleans Noel Why Let's say You know Let's say Clearly they're at They're at odds Over how to address This injury Yes What does New Orleans Noel Gain by By Other than What non-surgical Non-medical
1: Stuff does New Orleans Noel Gain by sitting out He doesn't I don't think he gains anything. Um, you know, I, I think this is a situation where, you know, you might, I mean, you can call it delusions of grandeur, I guess. Like, I never saw Noel as anything other than if if everything worked what out. What everybody else saw him yeah, as. Yeah, if everything worked out, he was going to be the functional equivalent of like a... Joe Akeem, Ratliff. Yeah, Joachim Noah. Like, he was going to yep. be the guy off the bench who came in and played... 18 minutes and had 10 boards and blocked a couple shots and could get a couple dunks running the floor.
0: High, 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 high upside. That's like max ceiling. Yeah. Um, Like I didn't even see him as that. Like Noah at least could be a competent offensive player at times. Yeah. Well, like, Noel, like, can't even... Like, he's a glaring liability when he's on the the court because guys can just sag off him and, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a glaring liability in the opposite way that Okafor can be, too. Exactly. Um, Because, you know, whoever Okafor is guarding, you're just going to give that guy the ball and he's going to score. So, uh, look, that's what the season is for. You know, the season is to figure all this stuff out. How good a defender can Sarge become? How great a rim protector can Embiid be? You know, they're going to crunch numbers you know, day and night, as to, okay, what did this lineup look like with Embiid on the floor? What did this look like? You know, what, what does he look like with Saric and Okafor? What does he look like with just Saric? What does he look like? Blah, 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 well, like, blah. Does
0: Noel not, would he rather not be a part of all that? Or what or like, I don't know. I think
1: Noel feels like, I, I, I I'm willing to bet, I haven't talked to him about this, just knowing what I know from talking to people around the team, I think he feels like he ought to, be kind of taken for granted as a part of all this moving forward i've put in my time i was the first draft picked you know i was the first guy to wait the year you know i went through two years of this tanking stuff you know and i honestly and i I understand that i do you know but um, i
0: also think that again like you got to keep in mind these and this is why it's really hard for me i don't know if i'll ever be an nba fanatic even though it's Mm -hmm. i was a huge nba guy Mm -hmm. in during the jordan years and then just i thought the game changed and i just Fell out of love with it, and I'm getting. This is getting me back into it because mm-hmm. I love the. You know, the Warriors to me are a great team to watch. The Spurs are a great. Not team last to night, wa- they weren't. No, <laughs>
1: they got beat by 29.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. What? Um. Wow, that's like a that puts them behind the eight ball in the quest for eight losses on yeah. the season. Yeah, it
1: does. <laughs> How did Durant play? Uh, not great. None of them play great. No, no. What? The Spurs just waxed them. Yeah, I mean. It's so started, anyway, so your
0: point? They're a pretty good team too. Yeah, but anyway, um, it, it's like, that's the one thing about the nba I, I, it's just tough to get over these guys like they're they have these handlers since they're like 11 10 11 yeah. 12 years old and it it sucks because like it's like john calipari's invent you know not mm-hmm. just cal but like ever since this one and done stuff like you're like guys are getting recruited like they're nba players at the age of 12 yeah. you know like you're you have like guys are committing you know off their freshman aau teams they're they're 13 and under teams and like these guys just don't get a realistic view of themselves right. and right. i i just get the sense that noel more than anybody else suffers from that, you know, because clearly he's been the cock of the walk since he yes. was, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, he's, he's he was, until he, you know, towards ACL, he was the unanimous number one overall pick in right. the draft and yada, yada, right. yada. And I just think that, like, there's people whispering in his ear that don't necessarily do him the best.
1: He's a, he's a really hard watch on offense. Yeah. There, and there aren't many players anymore in the NBA that you can say that about. Like, you know, go back. It's funny we we kind of romanticize the way the NBA used to be, back with Bird and Magic and all that. First of all, go back and watch those games and see how much defense is actually being played in those games. There ain't a whole lot. No. Okay. There are a lot of open shots. A lot of open shots.
0: But conversely, go back and watch those Charles Oakley Bulls Knicks series. Oh
1: God, those <laughs> things are ugly. Yes. <laughs> um, but we've kind of reached we've reached a happy medium now. Right. I think the game is really good now. Um, but. Go back and watch those games. There are some really non-functional offensive players back then. Dude, I mean,
0: look at look at the guys who surrounded Jordan for his first yeah. three titles: Will Perdue, Bill Cartwright, yeah. Horace Grant. Like you know,
1: <laughs> you know. But but Noel is like that. Right. Like he is not functional offensively right. if he's not dunking the ball on a rebound or throwing it down on the break. And he's fast, and he can that speed and the length he has. Makes him a terrific defensive player. Hey, he might, but they should sign him to play wide receiver. Yeah, there you go. The trade: the Sixers and Eagles but I trade guess Nelson question, Aguilar for Nurland's Noel. But I guess my
0: question is, what what does he have to gain by sitting out, and when will he be back? And what does he? Well, it's supposed to be three weeks. Is there any? Because like clearly the Sixers want to move one of these guys this year. Is there yes. any like is this like Noel kind of kicking Okafor out? And saying, this is the guy you should trade? Because I don't have any value right now?
1: Yeah, it may be. I mean, I don't think either of them... I don't think they can deal any of them right now. Um, In part because the season's just started. You don't know what Embiid really is yet. And secondly, Brian Colangelo has already told the entire world, going back to draft night, that he wanted to trade one of these guys. So whatever... Like, he didn't even fake the idea of like, hey, we're going to make this work, you know... We're still in development, and we're still going to try to see what we have, and who knows, we could keep all these guys. He he wasn't playing that at all. He's like, yeah, we're, we got to we got to get roster balance, and the whole league looked at him and go, went, oh okay, good to know. Yeah. Now we're not, you know, you you know, you're going to have to, uh, you know, give us the kitchen sink. But I guess what
0: I'm saying is like, if Noel take wants of these guys off your hands, if Noel wants to be somewhere where he's wanted, he's going to have to play his way into that. Yes, you would think. So I, I just don't I don't really understand what if this is I know, don't know Noel.
1: I mean maybe I mean, maybe t- he looks at it and says they should be able to get more for Jaleel therefore trade Jaleel and you'll help the team and then I'll come back and we'll be better for it.
0: Or maybe, I don't know. Or maybe his knee legitimately hurts and this yeah. is what he thinks is is best for his his personal
1: future. Well, I will, if he is there tonight in any capacity in street clothes, I will find him and try to ask him.
0: I will not I will hopefully be playing basketball of my own tonight. There you go. But we are having a we're having trouble getting numbers. So if anybody out there in podcast world um you know
1: Our friend Your friend and mine uh, Michael H. Weber screen, Philly native Screenwriter Hollywood screenwriter Wrote 500 Days of Summer Among other movies Is supposed to be at the game Are you so, gonna meet him? I'm gonna try to I would like to meet Michael We are Twitter uh, pals yep. But I've never actually met him in person In fact we were,
0: He's gonna be on the podcast at some point It's gotta It's gotta be uh, We had it actually We were very close to having it set up at one point And something yeah, happened Yeah it fell through But um Let's get back to Eagles Cowboys real quick To, okay. to kind of put a bow on this thing Um what do you expect out of Sunday night? And what do you expect it portends whatever we see? What does it portend for the future? Cause I think that's where, where I keep zeroing back to, um, because it's a very interesting time in this division, you know, within five years, Eli Manning is probably gonna be retired mm-hmm. and you know, da- Tony Romo obviously will be retired. And then at that point, I mean, you would say you're looking at the Eagles and the Cowboys as, as the, you know, heir apparents to whatever exists yeah. right now in the NFC East. Um, you know, is this going to come down to simply who's the better quarterback over, no. a lo- over the long haul, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? Or, you know, what, where do we go from here, essentially?
1: Well, all right. So to micro focus on Sunday night's game, I think to me, this the, the, the true question that the Cowboys haven't answered yet, I don't think, is. Is their defense good, quote unquote, because their offense has the ball so much? Or is their defense actually good? So if I'm the Eagles, I'm doing everything I can to stop Ezekiel Elliott in the running game. I'm eight guys in the box. Yeah, you know, you take your chances on the outside with a rookie quarterback throwing to Witten and Bryant. I know how that sounds. I know Witten chews them up every year. I know what Bryant can do. But the chance that they have to beat this team, I, w- I would expect the Cowboys to win. But to me, the Eagles' chance is to get the ball out of their offense's hands and not let them go on an eight-play, 80-yard drive, 10-play, 75-yard drive, and just keep that defense off the field because that's the test. If if Dallas's defense is good, well then Dallas's defense is good, and they're going to win the division this year. But if it's not, then that's a, that's that's a different matter entirely. And can the Eagles exploit that? So I, I think
0: this has a chance to be a very high scoring game, like a surprisingly high scoring game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because. I, Cedric Thornton plays defensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, yes. and that tells me that they can't rush the passer right. on a consistent basis. And and that those are the teams that have given the Eagles trouble thus yep. far. And and teams that have not been able to make Carson Wentz think fast have been shredded by by this mm-hmm. Eagles team. And I'm very that's that's the matchup I'm most yeah. curious to see is is Wentz against that defense because I have I was not a big believer in that defense at the beginning of season, and as you said, it's very hard to really tell what what to make of it thus far, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, we asked that question about them two years ago and the year before that, and the weird part was, like, they played Chip Kelly's offense initially better than anybody else did. Like, when Chip was fooling everybody else, he wasn't fooling them.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Like, so, like, two years, I think... It was 2013. 2013, they they, they were supposed... They looked like they were going to have, like, an all-time awful defense. Yeah. And, And somehow... And I think Jason Garrett's job was on the line yes. and, and Tony Romo might've gotten hurt the year before, but like I remember expecting Dallas to have this all time bad defense and they didn't. Right. And they played, very, but they didn't to an extent like towards the end of the season, they started to spring some leaks mm-hmm. and and in fact looked quite bad at times. Yeah. Like this was the defense we expected to see right. all along. And uh, probably a lot of that is the interplay between, you know, what that offensive line can do in terms of right possession and, and how much exposure the defense actually faces. But, I'm quite interested to see I couldn't even name anybody besides Sean Lee and, and Cedric Dorton on nope. this, this defense I no. don't think. Orlando Scandrick, Yeah. You that, know.
1: Yeah, it's a, it should be a pedestrian defense and as you said I, I, that to me is the key to everything. If the Eagles can get them off the field somehow which is going to be a tall order because they they can never cover Witten. Bryant's always a threat.
0: And Cole Beasley shredded them last yeah, year. Yeah,
1: you know, they can't cover him either. And
0: well Malcolm Jenkins will be the one I mean, so I think this is where th- 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 to come way, way, way full circle. I started thinking about quarterback and and all that we put into it, and all that the Eagles put into it in trading for Carson Wentz, because th- this last week all we've talked about is how thin the Eagles are. Yes, and when I say we, I mean you know the media conglomerate. Are the Eagles going to trade for Tory Smith? Or yeah. you know they need a wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar stinks. Um, you know they need you know a tackle to replace Jason Peters or Lane mm-hmm. Johnson. They need cornerback help they've got malcolm jenkins playing in the slot and and or uh jalen Watkins playing safety safety. michael kendrick stinks well it's like the cowboys don't say any of that stuff necessarily but like where do you think they got all those players from and when you look at it ezekiel elliott first round draft pick des bryant first round draft pick Three of their five offensive linemen, first down they draft. They have picks, not Jason missed Witten.
1: on these picks the way And
0: they've they haven't traded them I mean, keep in mind the Eagles traded a second round pick for Sam Bradford. Yeah. You know, they they traded four picks for Carson Wentz. They trade, you know, you know, they they burned one on Josh Huff. At some point, it's very interesting to me. It's it's going to be very interesting to me to see how this team builds around Carson Wentz, I think is what it comes down to. And 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 when you look at the other young quarterbacks that have had success in quarterbacks that Carson Wentz has drawn comparisons to Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I think those situations looked a lot more like Dallas's situation mm-hmm. than the Eagles. I think that they took Ben Roethlisberger, plugged him into a team that right. had like competed for a Super Bowl three years earlier, yes. and they went and to and they had Super been a playoff Bowl. team right. the
1: year before with Tommy Maddox as right. quarterback.
0: Exactly. Uh, same thing with the Seahawks; like they they were perennial eight and eights. Right. just hoping that Tavares Jackson could not screw up enough to right. to get them into the playoffs. I mean, they beat the year before uh, Wilson got there, or two years before Wilson got there, that with the year that Marshawn Lynch run against the Saints when yeah. the Saints came into Seattle. Seattle right. was like seven and nine. Yep, the Saints were like twelve and four, and, and Seattle steamrolled. Them. So again, you know, no doubt Russell Wilson solid quarterback, but what does he look like if you put him behind exactly. that Vikings offensive right. line?
1: And that, again, that you're right, full circle, like. What do you want first? Do you go get the quarterback exactly. and then try to build around him? Or do you build first and then create a situation where a guy like a Roethlisberger in 2004 or a Russell Wilson in 2013 can just come in and the transition is far more seamless and the, the pieces around and the surroundings kind of cover up for whatever growing pains he's going to go through?
0: That's exactly my point. And, I'm, and I I think they would tell you, most GMs would tell you and, and, and the teams we, we name-checked there would tell you, you know, you just get the quarterback whenever he comes and you, you right. go from there. But the the reason why it's a different setup for the Eagles is because they
1: were so overt proacti- about going to they get They proactively the went and got the quarterback.
0: Right. And I think it's also interesting because one of the most frustrating failures on the part of the Andy Reid regime was this notion that they did not have to go out and get, especially pre-Deshaun Jackson, get a wide receiver and some of these, like, the, uh, or like a workhorse run every down back. There, there was you know?
1: always a confusion to me about how they expressed that, and I think we, we need to wrap it up on this note. Absolutely. Which is, you know, there's a difference between getting really productive wide receivers. Like, Joe Banner and Andy would always point to that. They would say, well, look at the teams that are winning Super Bowls. You know, they don't have an elite wide receiver. They don't which have I never understood,
0: because lo- they did. Like, Plexiglas Burris. You yeah, know? like...
1: like they would have receivers who were really, really good. They just didn't throw it every down to that guy. Right? You know, there's a difference between Keyshawn Johnson, who may or may not have been an elite receiver, but getting 60 catches in a year, then Todd Pinkston getting 60 so, catches in a year. Well, yeah. There's a big difference there when it comes down to do you need to win this game in January? One of them's catching a t- making a tough catch for a touchdown.
0: The other one isn't. Right, and it was inter- It was interesting. It was just interesting today, like listening to Malcolm Jenkins talk and listening to like Doug Peterson talk, listening to them talk about opponents. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson extolling the virtues of of uh, the Cowboys offensive line, and then somebody asked Malcolm Jenkins, who's from Ohio State, remains a big Buckeyes fan. You know, you know what makes Ezekiel Elliott so good, and he says essentially, you know man, like, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that doesn't make him good. Like, mm-hmm. he does everything. Yeah. And then someone asked him about Cole Beasley, and he, like, was going into, like, you know, some guys like Jason Witten, like, they, like, get it, they get leverage on you, and they use your, their size to, like, you know, kill you, out, you. And then, like, yeah. Cole Beasley, like, gets leverage on you, and then uses his quickness, and he's just kind of freelancing out there, finding open space in the defense. And the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking about, like, what are... Cowboys defender saying about Nelson which, Aguilar which yeah. I know exactly like, <laughs> like I mean the Cole Beasley you know parallel on the Eagles yeah. is Nelson Aguilar yeah. and like what is anybody saying you know about?
1: where he's going to run and he may not get to the spot and even if he gets to the spot he may not catch the ball once he gets there
0: right and even like when like Zach Ertz I know people love him and I you know he's a solid whatever solid guy solid player but like no one's saying that about Zach like what no. makes like no one is even asking or you know whoever their safety Byron right. Jones like what makes Ertz so right you know, exactly it's just not it's i don't know so i that's that's what's interesting to me it's not it's not a downgrade on the eagles it's just more like i'm very interested to see yeah. where this franchise goes from here yeah. and i think that that we i think it's it can that can get lost in the kind of quarterback on quarterback hype
1: i agree well and, you know what that makes me feel good yeah and with that um The man in black and Grimace, the purple sweated, purple (laughs) sweatered podcast man. We'll uh, see you next week.